When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Scott Petrak from brownzone.com. How are you today, Scotty? I'm good. How are you, Kenny? Uh, I'm excited for high school football tonight, but I'm also curious, Scotty, to see which Cleveland Browns team will show up against the Miami Dolphins Sunday in the Sunshine State. Do you have any idea? <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> um, you know, I've been around them the last week, but you never know, right? That's how this team's been through eight games is they played well at times and not well at times, and especially not well in the fourth quarter. But I feel like they're on a positive trend with the near, you know, the near miss in Baltimore, and then the convincing win against the Bengals on Monday night before the bye. All right, so two weeks to prepare for this one as well, Scotty. I don't know if you have the answer to this. I didn't look at it because I was prepping so much for high school football. How has Stefanski done after the bye week, Scotty? Two and zero. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean you're looking for a trend, right? You're, you're looking for if that gives him uh, time to prepare and he, he takes advantage of it. So far, good. So far, so good, yeah. right? Yeah, there's no doubt. I think it's a good sign. Obviously, it's not a huge sample size like a guy like Andy Reid. But I do think the Browns spend a lot of time over the bye trying to find, you know, trying to – address their weaknesses, and really, as Andrew Barry said time and again, lean into their strengths. And I think they've been good in that the two years under Kevin Stefanski. I don't think that will change this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's reasons to be optimistic about how the Browns will play not only Sunday, but the final nine games. Now, they need to start stacking some wins. And when you look at this Miami matchup, the issue is it's not an easy one, right? It's on the road. Two is playing out of his mind. The Dolphins are six and three. So, you know, if you're playing a lesser opponent, I think you'd feel even better. Uh, but the Miami matchup makes it difficult. All right, Scotty, the walking wounded report. Give us the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Who's in, who's out? What do we know for this one on Sunday? Yeah, as a good is you get two Pro Bowlers back. Denzel Ward, he's missed three games with the concussion. He's back. And Pro Bowl right guard Wyatt Teller is back after missing two games with the calf strain. So those are big additions, especially Ward when you're playing against a team as high-powered as Miami is in their passing game with Tyree Kill, with Jalen Waddell, with Tua. So I think that's important. I don't know if you know Ward will play every snap like he normally does, but even having him out there for whatever, 57, 75% of the snaps, I think is important. Uh, they'll be without David Njoku in – Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa for the second straight week. Uh, you know, they're coming back. Njoku worked on the side this week. He's got the high ankle sprain. 
Uh, JOK actually practiced today um, for the first time since he got hurt against the Ravens, but they ruled him out because it's, he's not ready to play. So those are the, the ins and the outs. Is there anybody questionable? The only questionable guy is uh, backup guard Michael Dunn, you know, who they use in you know, short yardage when they go – well, not even short yardage, but when they go with the extra lineman. He's been the extra lineman. His back um, flared up Thursday, but he was out there today. You know, I'm sure he's limited. So, you know, they got him as questionable, but that's it. All right, so they're coming off a big win over Cincinnati. They've had a couple of weeks to prepare for the Dolphins, but to also scout themselves, Scotty, what do you think they saw when they scouted themselves in the win over Cincinnati? I think they saw a defense that played its best game of the year that was driven, at least in my opinion, by its pass rush, right? Five sacks, Joe Burrow. Even when they didn't get home, they affected Burrow. They had the strip sack, the one strip sack by Sione Takitaki. Miles Garrett set the tone early when he deflected that pass and turned it into an interception. So I think there's a sense that if they can affect the quarterback, right? And this is universal throughout the league, but if you can affect the quarterback, you had a chance to really have a strong performance defensively and change how games go. And, you know, Miles Garrett was limited. He only missed the one game after the car accident, but he wasn't the same. And he said he's still not quite there, but he feels stronger in the shoulder, feels less limited. He practiced fully Thursday and Friday, as did Jadavian Clowney, who's been dealing with the ankle since week two against the Jets. So if you get those two guys healthy, it really changes how that defense plays. And I think how the opposing offenses approach the Browns' defense. So to me, that kind of has to be the linchpin of this defense moving forward is generating a consistent pass rush led by, you know, your two stud defensive ends. What about offensively, Scotty? Do you think they – Uh, studied that and looked at it and said, man, we were really, really good. Hey, we ran it 44 times. We only threw it 22 times. Do you you think we'll see more of a a shared snap count like that in the offense moving forward? Uh, To some degree, Kenny, I don't think it'll be – I don't think it'll look a ton different. Uh, I could see a few more runs, you know, every week, uh, but I don't think it's going to turn into – you know, the Tennessee Titans when, you know, Malik Willis is quarterback and then they run it 45 times. I just don't think that's how the Browns want to operate. But I do think you'll see maybe a couple more runs, maybe more play action. And I think you'll see the shots that they started to hit in the last couple of weeks before the bye. The deep sideline routes to Amari Cooper and Donnie Peoples-Jones and even David Njoku when he comes back. Like I feel like the Browns can look at their offense and say, okay, we run it great. And this is where we excel in the pass game. It's taking some shots on the outside, which gives you that explosive element. Uh, and then things will change when Deshaun Watson comes back, right? Then you can open up the playbook, and there's plenty more there. But until that happens, these next three games, I would expect the focus to be run game and then shots down the field. Scott Petrack, our guest. You can follow him on Twitter, at Scott Petrack, or at brownzone.com on a daily basis. Great stuff. Uh, keeping you up to date, up to the minute, whenever something happens with the Browns, he's on top of it for you. Before we get to Deshaun Watson, I want to get to Jacoby Brissett. He's got three more games because we were told already by Andrew Barry that if Deshaun Watson clears uh, you know, everything he needs to clear, he'll be the quarterback in uh, the 12th game of the season at Houston. So how does Jacoby Brissett 
I guess, approach these next three games, Scotty, knowing that he's going to the bench no matter what? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Kenny. Now, he's known it the whole time, right? So there's been that element in the back of his mind. I know when I talked to him before the season how excited he was to get the chance to start. So I'm sure there's some degree of, I don't know, melancholy that, hey, this is coming to an end, right? Right. Uh, Now, I I think it's important then how you deal with it. Do you go out and play your best game like you probably did against the Bengals? You know, he completed a bunch of passes, threw for a bunch of yards, right? Hell, he had the one turnover on the – um, when he tried to get rid of it when he's under pressure, but played a really strong game. Uh, and I think that's his makeup, but it, it bears watching, right? Especially the closer you get to watching coming back. He's going to practice next week, right? So then Jacoby can will really be able to kind of feel him over his shoulder. Uh, so I think it bears watching, but you know, I've really been impressed with Brissett on and off the field. And I, I would like to think that He'll handle it well and just continue to put good tape out there because I think he probably feels like, hey, the way I played, maybe I can go somewhere next year and at least compete for a job or, you know, be the bridge guy, bridge quarterback for a young guy. You know, I, I think I think that's his goal for this season was to put himself into that position. All right, Deshaun Watson coming back, like you said, to practice next week. What's he been doing up to this point, Scotty? And take us through what you know from what Stefanski has told you guys as to what they've done, what they will do with him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he's been allowed since October 10th when he was allowed to reenter the building. He's been in meetings. He's been in the team meetings, the positional meetings, the offensive meetings. So he's been going through all that. Now, he's only been able to work on the field with, the strength and conditioning guys in the weight room and on the field. I believe he's still using his personal quarterback coach to throw, you know, he's not throwing to Browns receivers. So he's got to go throw somewhere. So I think he's still doing that. And then that changes next week. I mean, he could be on the field Monday. They don't practice Monday. So it'll be Wednesday. Um, and he'll be on the field and Stefanski didn't get into specifics, but he did say, hey, we talked about this plan and for two weeks, it'll be the dual tracks kind of like we saw, in the offseason and to start a training camp where it's, okay, we're going to get Jacoby Brissett ready to play because he's going to start two more games and we're going to get um, Deshaun Watson ready to go December 4th. And you can't ignore either one because you got to win the games you're playing and you can't expect Deshaun Watson, who won't have played in 700 days in a regular season game, you can't just expect him to roll out of bed and get three days of practice and go beat the Texans. So, I think you'll probably see some extra periods added to practice. Um, I would expect to see Watson stay longer and maybe throw to practice squad guys, but get in, start to get in more reps the next two weeks, building up to that week in the Texans game where then he'll take over and get every rep. All right, with him coming back on the fourth, Browns have three games before that happens. Yep. Road game this week at Miami, road game at Buffalo. We don't know what's up yet with Josh Allen. We'll have to wait and see, right? And then a home game against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They're 3-5, and five, Scotty. Give me your thoughts on, on what you think is realistic in the next three games, and what do you hope or what do you think the Browns are hoping for out of these next three games? I think, I think it's probably the same. I think 2-1 and one to be 5-6 and six when Watson comes back, and then if you can get to 10-7, and seven, you have to give a good shot to go to the playoffs. So if you get to what would it be, five and six, and then, right, right? you go two and one, and then you ask Deshaun Watson to go five and one. The schedule gets a little easier. 
Now, that's not automatic. It's asking a lot from Watson, but, hey, you're paying him a bunch of money and made a big trade for him. So I, that, to me, seems reasonable. And I think, you know, Tampa Bay has not played great. Miami's played well. They're 6-0 and 2 is start and finish games. But to me, they're not invulnerable, right? I, I think they're susceptible. And then who knows with Buffalo, right? If Allen plays, they're probably the best team in the league. If he doesn't, you know, then that becomes a winnable game too. So, you know, I think 2-1 and one is the goal. I, I think at 1-2, and two, you're not out of it, but – it's a real, real long shot. Uh, but two and one, then I think there'd be really good feelings among the team. And maybe this boost from Deshaun Watson, not to mention what a, you know, a good player he is. Uh, and then I think they might have a shot. If they lose all three, Scotty, is the season done? Yeah, then the focus is all about how does Watson look? How does the offense look with Watson? You know, do you, and it's more about preparing for 2023, I think, because – at three and eight, uh, you'd have to go six and zero, oh, and then you still might not be able to get in. Yeah, that might that won't win you the division. Um, no. but it may get you a wild card possibly, but uh, no no guarantees on that. Scotty, what about the division right now? Because okay, the Browns have to handle their own business, right? They've got to try and put their uh, you know best effort forward this week, and then win as many as they can. How do you see the rest of the division right now? Is Baltimore indeed after acquiring Roquan Smith? Uh, are they the team to beat, or do you think the Bengals still have a run in them, even though their offensive line looked horrible against the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I think it's Baltimore's division to win. Number one, you know, you mentioned Roquan, which is a good move. Justin Houston, who they picked up, I think, in the offseason, played great Monday night. Yeah. Um, and they just keep winning games, Kenny. It doesn't seem like it matters. As long as Lamar plays, like, it doesn't feel like it matters. Who else plays, right? Mark Andrews doesn't play. Rashad Bateman, that sports surgery is out. Right? They're running backs. Gus Edwards is out, and they still score points, and they play great defense, and they have good special teams, and they're well coached. Like they just find a way, and the schedule gets a lot easier for them. So, uh, you know, I think it's their division unless something happens dramatically. You know, a dramatic injury or you know a Lamar injury would be that injury. Um, it feels like their division. Cincinnati, I can't get a good read on Kenny. You know, they played so poorly against the Browns, and then they come in, and I know it's Carolina but they played great against Carolina, right? And they ran the ball, and Joe Mixon, five touchdowns. And so, you know, I think it's going to be tough for them without Jamar Trace for at least a little while longer. Um, they have a tough schedule, too. They might have the hardest schedule coming up in the NFL after their bye week. So I think it's tough. I don't think you can rule them out with that offense and those, you know, Joe Burrow and those skill guys. But to me, it's Baltimore, a step down to Cincinnati, and then it's the Browns trying to climb back to be in the same conversation as Cincinnati. Did Zach Taylor, who coached an absolutely horrific game against the Browns, <laughs> did he learn from his mistakes in that game when we see Joe Mixon get as many touches uh, last weekend? Is that something you think they will do more of because that O-line does think and Chase will be out for a little while? Yeah, you would think. I mean, it would make sense, right? Now, yeah. the thing with Mixon is, you know, he was only averaging like three yards of carry when – they came into Cleveland. So it's not like he was tearing it up, but then he has a huge game against Carolina. I think they can figure out a way to use him better in the pass game. And they tried that a little early against the Browns, but the Browns did well against Sioni Takitaki, made a bunch of tackles in space that kept Mixon from getting into a flow, which Carolina just didn't do. Right? He got the, it, wasn't, it didn't matter if you're handing it off to him or throwing it to him. He was going to break a tackle and you know, get to the end zone. So, you know, Cincinnati's going to be able to score. But you're right. If they don't protect Burrow, that's where things fall apart 
for the Bengals, and they still haven't figured out a way to protect Joe Burrow as well as they need to. Yeah, he's, um, you know, David Carr, Tim Couch. I know he's already been to a Super Bowl. Neither one of those did, but uh, he's headed down that path unless they uh, do something with that offensive line. All right, let's get back to the Browns in this week's game. Scott Petrack, they're traveling to Miami. I haven't looked at the weather forecast. I'm sure you have. Uh, what's the weather cor- forecast going to be? For, is it going to be a hot one where they're going to have to deal with that? Uh, I'm already drinking body armor right now for my game, walking the sidelines here on a cold Friday night. Uh, are they prepping for some hot weather? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be 82, so low 80s. I, the uh, hurricane slash tropical storm is supposed to be out of there by then, at least the last time I looked. So um, it's just a matter of dealing with the heat. You know, Amari Cooper's a Miami guy. He said, hey, I've been telling guys we got to, you know, hydrate, got to hydrate on the plane. So that'll be the key. Um, you know, and it is, a, it is an adjustment, especially when you're running and chasing Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle all over the field. Um, right. But I don't think it'll be a huge, huge issue. All right, so you're looking at this game, uh, you know, with a, a, a scout's binoculars, all right? Mm-hmm. And what are you you looking at for the Browns? Hey, they've got to do this if they're going to win the football game this week. Yeah, there's a couple things. Number one, you can't let Tyreek Hill go for multiple 75-yard touchdowns, right? I mean, obviously, you don't even know one to happen, and I think eliminating the explosive plays will be big. Um, but you can't let him take over the game. And obviously he has that potential to do that. He's on a record pace. He's got 1,100 yards already receiving. Um, so that's one. I, I think part of how you avoid that is by getting pressure on Tua and whether that's, you know, Miles Garrett and Clowney said it today. Yeah, we need to pressure him, but he gets it out of his hands fast. But we need to tip passes and bat balls. And they believe that they can do that. The way his, the way his arm angle is, they think they can get, get their hands on quick passes and hopefully that leads to a turnover like we saw early in that Bengals game. Uh, and then I kind of went back and forth on this. I, I think the best recipe is to control the clock, right? That takes the ball away from an explosive Miami offense. Alex Van Pelt said, yeah, I get what you're saying, that, you know, you want to go 11 or 12 plays. Was, but we're about production, and we're not afraid to try to match Miami, right? He's, he, I think he said they need to match us. So, you know, I, I think you need to run Nick Chubb a bunch, you know, and I'm not saying 50 times, right? But if Nick Chubb gets 22 carries and Kareem Hunt gets eight and you control the ball and you control the clock because I think it can run against Miami, that to me feels like the best recipe. Scotty, if they try and match Miami score for score, they will lose. I, I'm just, you know, that's the way I see this. When you have Waddle and you've got Tyreek Hill, right, uh, and two is playing better uh, than, than Jacoby Brissett, and you mentioned it when he starts and finishes, they're undefeated. I mean, if, they, if their goal is, hey, hey, they go uh, one play, we'll go one play. No, you want to shorten the game, in my opinion, take the ball out of his hands and away from Tyreek Hill and Waddle and some of the other guys. I'm with you. I, I think that uh, 8, 9, 10, 11 play drive, shorten it, piss them off that they're not out on the field. Then when they get out there, they're trying to do too much because they didn't have the ball for six or seven minutes. I think that's the recipe for success for the Browns if they're going to steal a win on the road. I agree. I completely agree, Kenny. Now, you know, that doesn't mean you can't try to take a shot early, right? Right. Off guard, especially if they're loading the line of scrimmage. But I'm with you. To me, that's, that's how you counter it, right? You try to help your defense out. You try to help your special teams out. And if Nick Chubb and your run games your strength, why not lean into that? They love the big play. 
and we've seen Kansas City at times this year, Scotty. Man, they they, they got to get that big play. Even if the opposing team's taken away, and, and it took them a while to understand, okay, let's take what they're giving us underneath. It may take us a little bit longer to score, and we will score, but we still like that big play. So I, I want them to have that uh, that that nervousness or that we got to strike big. You know, a, a 70-yard touchdown's a lot better than a 10-play a, a 4-yard touchdown. Well, no, it's not. They both count for six points, Scotty, right? Sometimes those offensive coordinators don't understand that, right? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. You're 100% right. Now, it requires some things, right? You, first of all, you need to be patient. As a play caller, as a quarterback, as an offense. And you have to be, I don't want to say perfect, but you can't commit penalties, right? That's the problem with saying, okay, we're going to have an eight-yard, an eight-play drive. Is if you get one holding and you're at first and 20, everything's out of whack. So I understand the desire for explosive plays, like, it makes sense. It's easy to do that. It's tougher to put together eight, ten really strong plays in a row versus, you know, one or two big plays. Um, but I think that's where discipline comes in as players and as a play caller is, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And you're completely right. I mean, that's what Cincinnati did to the or teams did to Cincinnati early this year. They played a bunch of cover two and said, march down the field on us. And Cincinnati took a while to figure that out. Same thing with Kansas City when – throughout the development of Patrick Mahomes. All right, Scotty, how do you see this one playing out on Sunday? One o'clock right here on WHBC for everybody. What's going to happen? Yeah, Kenny, I'm taking the Browns. I think they're going to win, and I say that because I feel good about how they played before the bye. I really think Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney can have an impact, as I keep saying. And, you know, Miami's won three in a row. We mentioned Tua being undefeated when he starts and finishes. Like, it just feels to me like a game – that Miami's here to lose. And I do think they're not perfect. You know, I, mean, I watch them, and offensively, they're really good. But I think you can take advantage of some things they do defensively. So I, it just feels to me like it's the Browns' week, so I got them 27-24. Oh, okay, Scott. I, I do believe in things like 2-0 and coming out of the bye week. I, I brought up the, you know, before the Bengals game, Stefanski, for whatever reason, I know Baker Mayfield yep. was his quarterback for all those games, but he had never lost to the Bengals or Joe Burrow had never beaten the Browns. So there, there are, you know, things to those trends, small or big, that, that do matter. And I like your point about Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. I, I think if you make Tua nervous, because let, let's be honest, we hope it doesn't happen, but he's one minor hit to the helmet, right. not a big hit, Right from his concussions this year, one minor hit from going out. So I, I think he's going to try to avoid being hit at all costs. So if they can get that pressure uh, on him and not necessarily get to him but make him uncomfortable, I could see a pick or two. And if the Browns can capitalize, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they go on the road, Scotty, and get this win. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's an interesting point about two. And also through this, he's exceeded my expectations for him as an NFL player. He still doesn't have the strongest arm, right? I mean, that's right. And if you can make him move his spot, like I watch him try to make a couple throws in the last couple games when he's had pressure, and it's like it's his whole body to make a throw. So if you can get him to move off that spot, I think you have a chance to have some, some success against him. Scotty, great stuff as always with us and, of course, at brownzone.com. And everybody out there, follow him on a daily basis on Twitter, at Scott Petrak. Uh, enjoy the game, Scotty. We'll talk to you next week, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, Kenny. Scotty Petrak checking in with us, breaking it down as only he can. He likes the Browns 
over the Dolphins. What say you? 330-450-1480. You feeling good about the Browns' chances coming out of the bye on the road at Miami? We'll take your calls, and we'll hear from Denzel Ward, who will play in Sunday's game against the Dolphins. Stay with us.